0: all right it's morning huddle time good morning no, i'm not saying it works i wish you I'm god speed I, I Godspeed with all of that i think that's really really nice um i you know i'm not sure what kind of success you're gonna have with that today because the world my friend has changed right, right. Latin good. american construction workers they have different
1: needs they have completely different
0: These needs. awards
2: have a huge um like criteria that you have to fill out, and they usually have a community service or community relations portion. Them, uh, you know, the most productive uh, with a high performance value. Um, and you know, sometimes it's 11 o'clock at
1: night. Yeah. Funny.
0: Isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, not not for me. Not
1: for uh, me.
0: At 11 o'clock, I am guaranteed to be snoring. So, so. Um, <laughs> All right, it's morning huddle time. Chad Frinky here, as always, with my co-host and producer, Stacey Holzinger. Stacey, how are you today?
2: I'm doing great. Good morning. Good morning, Ryan.
1: Morning, guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we have Ryan Lancer here with us this morning, uh, Dirt Jedi. Ryan Lancer with Affordable Site Model. I love the. Uh, I love. I love the name. I wonder uh, how, how that. Uh, how you ended up with the moniker, uh, Dirt Jedi, uh, but uh, it's working for you. It's uh, good stuff. I see your stuff on LinkedIn and uh, your videos, um, your content uh, stuck out to us. That's why we reach out to you and, uh, and said, man, we'd love to have uh, Ryan on to talk about what he's doing. So so it's a affordable site model. I'll, you know what? T- take it from me. Take, take, a, take 30, 30 seconds or, or a minute or whatever and describe to our audience a little bit about who you are, what you do, how you got to where you are.
1: Sure, sure. So I'll go way back. Um, dropped out of high school very, very early, uh, you know, needed to work. So uh, found myself in a labor position digging trenches for a few years and kind of started there. Uh, eventually, uh, a heavy equipment job opened up. So I ended up landing on the equipment. And so I learned how to operate equipment. And then just kind of from there just trickled all the way up the ladder. Um, and actually, an, an injury kind of set me on a different trajectory. Um, I've been hit by dump trucks. I've been almost killed by excavators because you know construction is getting safer, but was also very dangerous 25 years ago. It's okay. yeah.
0: I mean there are risks involved. There's no doubt about it. And 25 years ago was a, a totally different ball game. I I, yeah. I remember I worked construction right out of college, man. Or I'm sorry, while I was in college, I was I was working on a commercial uh, site. I fell right into a ditch uh, this close to rebar uh, that would have really messed up my day, man. So yeah. uh, I can relate.
1: Yeah. So that's what happened. Uh, I got injured and uh, the office staff, there was a, there was kind of an old timer on his way out to retiring estimator that had been with the company for 50 years. And uh, they, they said, Hey, you're on uh, not bed rest, but you're on uh, light duty. So you can work in the office, but you can't work in the field for the next two weeks. So he took that as an opportunity to snag me up and put me in front of uh, AgTech, which is the main software that we use for earthwork takeoff services. And uh, AgTech came in, they trained me. And actually uh, one of the main guys that trained me, he goes, man, I don't see a lot of guys with a knack for this because you've had the field experience and you're just getting it. And he's like, you ought to go out on your own. And I I was young, you know, and I was like, how do I do that? So I just kept working and working and, working my way up and I ended up being operations manager for that whole company at the age of 24 um, and then That's that, awesome. yeah that was really cool uh, went from uh, you know we had 12 employees I grew up to about 80 um, and then I was 24 years old and then that and then 2008 happened bam everything collapsed we were 100 residential so it overnight mm-hmm. the company just folded mm-hmm. um, so then from there, I went on to estimate other heavy civil companies in California. Uh, I got a heavy civil estimating job for Rodman excavation in Dallas, Texas for a while. Um, came in and built their whole plan room and takeoff uh, system and got them rolling on ag tech as well. And then, uh, then I decided to go out on my own 11 years ago. And so now we, we provide full earthwork takeoff services, pre-bid, uh, full GPS machine control data modeling for jobs once the contractor lands the job. And uh, drone topo data acquisition, pretty much the three services we offer.
0: I, I we're going to get into to uh, what all that means uh, in this uh, episode, and and you know, for, for I think for Stacy and I what both uh, for both of us what jumped out is that you know we're the morning huddle is all about a platform for people who are talking about progress and positive change in the building industry, and I think what you're doing is an, a, a, a nice uh, a very specific topic to talk about a, a, a narrow place where you're making a really big impact. So, looking forward to hearing more about it. Stacy, as always, let's make sure that we get uh, great questions channeled in from the, uh, from the audience. And um, I know you also have questions of your own that you're waiting to ask, Ryan. So, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll uh, come back and do some audience questions here uh, with, you know, whatever, five, 10 minutes left. Yeah.
2: Yep. Sound good.
0: See you soon, Stacy. All right. So Ryan, let's let's start with um, th- I think the question that's on everybody who's watching uh, on, on their mind, which is, how do you grow an epic beard like that? No, wait. Sorry, that's not the question. Uh, that it's it just man, I I I, um, I could use some pointers. I can't I can't point I can't pull it off. Um, <laughs> what makes What makes site takeoffs challenging in the first place? Like what's, give us the, give us the lay of the land with doing a site takeoff, um, I guess, sort of the old fashioned way or the, you know, the traditional way.
1: Yeah. 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 Traditionally, uh, you know, they teach you the uh, ground or it's called grid method. So old school way. And I was taught coming up this way before software, um, you would take the job and bring it down into grids and you kind of average out the existing ground in this quadrant, and then you would take four new design elevation shots and you would average those and you would just run uh, they call end area average calculations and you would do that over the site and then you would add up all your numbers on a sheet and then you'd have your cut fill quantities um and then they went to a digitizer board where we would tape the plans down physically on the board and we would have a clear little uh puck that we would trace all the data it would go into the software a um, little rudimentary, but it would come up with the end area calculation for every square foot much, much faster. Um, today, we have uh, actual PDF and CAD capability. So we just take the electronic plans, pull them right in on the screen, in the software, trace them over the screen, or implement the engineering CAD file directly from the engineer that already has the data in there. And then we don't have to recreate it from plans because it's kind of, um, it, it's it's weird because like we take, The engineers design it in autocad they have all the line work but then they produce a a pdf set of two-dimensional plans that you're most of the time using for takeoffs and so we're actually just recreating what they've already done half the time to get to the same end result so um the challenges are there's there's a wide variety of engineers out there um you know even if you're in a in a small area you're dealing with 10, 12, 15 different engineers, they all have different styles, they have different ways of labeling things. So the real challenge is learning learning the engineer's language on your project. That's a big challenge.
0: So what inspired you? Like I am listening to your story and and it's um I, mean, I, I think it's cool. It's inspiring I think in general to you know uh, anybody who may be uh, an audience member right now thinking about their own career trajectories and, and possibilities and, and, you know, what's out there for them. What inspired you to get into what you're doing? What, what, what about the way things were happening made you think of a way things could or should be happening? You know what I mean? Like what, what inspired you?
1: Um, well, I definitely saw the power of, of the software early on uh, in 1998. I, I saw the power of the software and I was tied in with the company developing it, and I knew where it was headed. Um, And also I was exposed to um, machine control, GPS machine control early on, one of the earliest companies to have in California. So I was exposed to that technology and we started figuring out ways to utilize it to become more efficient, uh, to do more work with less people. And I saw a huge, just immediately, I just saw this upward trajectory for the future Um, of, you know, one in a thousand contractors had it 25 years ago, you know, today, uh, you know, 10 years ago, one in 10, five years ago, five in 10. And I know for sure, you know, in the next five, 10, 20 years, you're going to buy equipment. It's going to come on it. So every contractor will have access to this, this technology. And I saw that, um, I, and I just had a natural love for, for it, um, and just dove all in been doing it ever since I was 15. That's awesome. Uh, and, and, and
0: the, um, that kind of fortuitous time that you spent in the office unexpectedly, um, really was a a career, total career changer for you. That, that, that little moment made its way into your big story. I thought, yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. And I would say also, uh, it was, it was, it was trying to get out of the field, you know, um, it, that, that was the other big motivator is, you know, hot, hot days, you know, running a paving machine with 350 degree asphalt in front of you, under you and behind you for 14 hour days, you know, seven days a week. It, it, it's, uh, I knew from seeing my dad in construction, who was a framer, um, I knew at a certain age, you're not able to do that as, as well anymore. And, and so you have to up your skill set and move, move up the ladder. So you're not, you're not the guy shoveling, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, at some point in your life, you're going to want to not be the guy shoveling. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And, and that and that point comes for different times for different folks. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah. Um, so, what, put us in the put us in the, I guess, in the minds of your customers, the earthwork contractors that you're working for. Um, what's what are their priorities uh, and and um, what matters most to them, in regards to uh, being able to, you know, create an accurate takeoff using your technology?
1: Yeah, they, they have to trust it. You know, they have to have uh, these guys are bidding, you know, million, two million, five million, ten million, fifty million dollar jobs off this data, and 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 a lot of them they don't really know who who we are when they first try us out, so. You know, It's like, hey, here's a, here's a small project. Um, we're going to do our own takeoff. You guys do one. Then we're going to compare. And then as we get a couple down the road, we start building trust. When, when they call me and I can answer their questions and they're like, okay, hey, this guy knows what he's talking about. Uh, he's, he's obviously estimated before. We start building that trust. But um, it definitely comes down to uh, the biggest challenge when what we do is, is timelines. Um, estimating is very rapid-paced. It's even more fast-paced now than it was a year ago or two years ago a lot of times you have a job put in front of you that you have to bid that's due in two, three days. So, um, most of the time our projects come from just that, that, uh, that time constraint where the contractor does not have enough time themselves to, to produce the work and, uh, they can outsource it to us. We have a team set up and and we, we get it done for them and we get it done. Right. And then once they do that, do they stick with you? Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we lose very few clients. Um, it's, it's pretty cool actually. Cause yeah. And there's guys I've been working with from day one, you know, le- the last 11 years and they've never left and, and they send us more and more work all the time. So it's, it's really cool to see. You,
0: uh, you know, you talk about there, they need to trust you. They need to trust the, the tech. They need to trust yeah. the technology, which uh, you know, is right. That's your, that's your product. Yeah. Um, so w- what, what is it that, creates that trust like when when's the moment where they go man that was awesome
1: yeah i think it's uh i i, I see it the most uh with the with the post report conversations so uh when when uh, after i send them all the data and the reports and they're analyzing and they're starting to wrap their head around it and they have a few questions and and then they'll they'll reach out to me and and when i can when i have those answers for them Uh, every single time. And I'm, I know what I'm talking about. They, they just, it's immediate, immediate trust. Um, Then they start to, you can just see them. You can hear them on the phone just start to relax and, and okay, the numbers. Okay. Now I understand the numbers, the numbers are right. And it just immediately, once you answer a few of their questions that are on on specific to what they're, what they're estimating. um, And it's just, just having the confidence to do that and and then know how. And I think that's where I see the light bulb just switch. Do you, do you perform this service?
0: Um, What's the footprint? Like how, how, how far and wide
1: do you go? So we're, we're international worldwide. Really. I I say Uh, we have several clients in Canada, several in Australia, uh, Bahamas. Uh, We work for municipalities in Bahamas and several islands. Um, And then all of the encompassing United States, East to West coast, up and down everywhere. That's awesome. Yeah. What, what, what enables you to be so flexible
0: um, with with you know where where you can do the work? What, what you know are all your employees located? Where, you're in California.
1: We're in California. Um, I did build a model to where all of my employees are in house. Um, a couple guys doing this business. A couple of the guys that are our size range are doing remote. Um, I I just stuck with in house, and that's how I've been building it and. I haven't really gone the whole remote route yet, but um, that's, that's really how I'm running it. And yeah, it's, I are,
0: are you. guys getting on airplanes and going all over the world all the time or oh, how's that working?
1: That allows me, no, no. That's, so we're able to service the entire world over email and the internet because uh, they basically send us the files. We do all the data processing and the software. And basically what we're selling is, is just PDFs with the data on it. So we're just emailing them the PDFs, uh, doing a follow-up phone call and and running through all the information with them. And so that enables us to scale. When I first started this, I was like, okay, I'm going to do my county. And then I was like, well, I can do the counties around me. And then I realized, well, wait a minute, I can do California. And I'm like, why am I just doing California? I can do this in Nevada, too. And then six months later, I'm like, why can't I do Nevada, Arizona, Washington? then I was like, wait a minute, why am I even limiting myself at all? So that's, awesome. that's where my mindset changed to let's help as many people as possible. Let's get, let's get these contractors some work. Let's make them money. Let's just help people and the rest will figure itself out.
0: What's been uh, your biggest, uh, I guess, marketing engine where, you know, where, where are most of your opportunities coming to you from?
1: Um, so I'd say the two things, uh, Google, Google for sure. Um, and then one I've tapped into the most probably definitely LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, I went hard on LinkedIn 10 years ago, uh, had a daily routine to build my, my following and I stuck to it. If I didn't stick to anything else, I stuck to that routine and that has served me well. And I've got over 30,000 followers. And, um, in fact, most of our marketing is shut down and has been for the last year, uh, just because the word of mouth momentum, uh, and LinkedIn that we've created and everything else, it just, it's just the work pours in right now. and so we, we've shut out a lot of our paid marketing is shut off and has been for over a year. Wow, man! Yeah, that's.
0: I mean, uh, it's a. It's it definitely is a testament to to putting out uh, useful content on LinkedIn. Just for kicks, I got uh, this yeah. is mostly for for Stacy. Yeah, I'm bringing Stacy back because she's gonna want to talk about the marketing aspect. What was your What was your LinkedIn uh, routine? Like, you know, what 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 did that look like?
1: <laughs> um, well, it, it consisted of. If I did nothing else every day, I went on and added 10 new connections every single day. That was literally it. It very simple. 10 new connections every single day. I didn't go to bed. My my head did not hit the pillow unless I'd added 10 Mm industry-specific connections. So I would look for estimators, project managers, anybody in excavation. If they were in electrical, I didn't add them. If they were in, unless it was my niche, and I just went in on the niche and I did 10 a day religiously. Um, and that, that's what grew my LinkedIn prior to that. It was, uh, e- the same concept, but with email marketing list. Yep. So I would add 10 emails to my list every day. I would go hunt down the websites and I build my email marketing list and that's what launched ASM the first five years. And then before I really started going hard on, but I was doing the LinkedIn at the same time,
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: but it takes so much time to grow. But now I'm at, you know, 33,000 followers, something like that. So what's That's the nice. what's what's the future? Of, I'm sorry, Stacey. Did you have a follow-up to that?
2: I was just gonna say thank you so much for just saying it's a journey because so many clients I work with, they're like, I post it once and why isn't everybody, you know? And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is a long-term game that you have to do consistently, like exercising. Like yes. you gotta, it's so thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, so, it took me 10 years to hit uh, you know. Uh, videos or posts that do a million, two million views. It took me 10 years to get one of those, you know, and I mean, in the first eight years, it was like 10, five or 10 likes or five or 10 views. And then it just finally ex- exponentially kind of took off. So cool. Uh, you, you
0: have employed the same uh, uh, video shooting uh, full uh, uh, you know, uh, tools that I, maybe I, I should say I've copied you. Uh, right. Over over time, in that uh we, we you and I've done the same thing, which is holding the camera while walking in public. Uh-huh. God, that's awkward. Um, yeah, I don't know how you guys do that. It's the yeah. I'm looking around. I'm like, I know I'm I'm a douche. I get it. But I'm doing the thing. I <laughs> yeah. it's, it's oh, but but you know what? They, those videos really pop. Like I've I've seen several of those videos from you, and and yeah. uh and and I don't know. There's something about them. they dynamic. I, I stop. I watch. And and uh anyway, kudos. Kudos to what you're doing from a, from a marketing standpoint, bring it back to the, to the industry for a minute. What's the future. Do you, what do you believe is the future of your industry? Is there a, is there a space in which what you're doing becomes, you know, um, just kind of the norm and it's just built into what every company does. And, and if so, what does that mean for, for ASM and, and, and where you're going?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I think it is. It is becoming more the norm every day. Um, right now, we have a lag um, engineering side of things. Engineers are still doing things from the nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies. Their methods. They they've all picked up AutoCAD, but I, like I was kind of touching on earlier, they they're um, they're producing uh, two dimensional drawings in AutoCAD. Then they're plotting those two dimensional drawings on paper. And that's what we're building jobs off of still, or, or maybe PDF format, but. It's like a lot of times all that 3D data is there. They've done the work. They've done the engineering. They've done the slopes. They've done all the 3D polylines are already in their file. There's just a huge disconnect between what they do and the builders right now. And uh, we're working with a lot of engineering firms showing them that, teaching them that. um, Hey, spend a little more time on the quality of that stuff and send that out as part of your product. And it just makes everything more efficient all all the way down the line. Doesn't that hurt your business if they do that? Oh yeah. I I would say, I would say it probably does um, to an extent. Uh, But there, but the thing is this, this will never really go away because of just time constraints. The time constraints are never going to change. Bids are doing two, three days and there's only so much work you can get done. So look, Ryan, I love that perspective. I, I,
0: I think there's. I mean, you know, I could go on and on about this, but I think there are so many people who are fighting positive change yeah. to protect their little piece of turf. Yep. That if they instead started working toward just their customers' best interests and aligned themselves with what the greater good, uh, you know, sort of looks like, that people like you who are clearly enterprising, clearly problem solvers, clearly connected and and always, you know, uh, sort of working on being better and doing more. You're going to find a way to service your market. You're going to find a way to adapt and and to create more and 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 you know, I just can't say enough about the, the mindset of yeah, it probably does hurt our business, but it's the right thing to do, <laughs> you know, kind of thing.
1: Um, it, it is, and, you know, we'll just move into training them if we have to or whatever. But it's, We'll figure yeah, it out. will be a need. Be what a need. we won't do is
0: uh, try to keep secrets yeah, uh, and, and uh, you know, uh, prevent people from making progress yeah. uh, so that we can keep our little piece of the pie. So, you know, yeah. I, I love it. I think that uh, you will always win long term with that mindset. It just might not look exactly how you thought it was going to look, but, but, uh, overall, I think those are going to be the people who are on the right side of history. So, um, great stuff. Uh, Stacy, as per usual, here we are with like five minutes to go. Um, what kind of questions do we have, um, uh, that we want to pose to Ryan?
1: Um,
0: let's see.
2: Uh, Do you work on claims and when the engineer's model isn't right and the actual is more dirt than the model contours show?
1: Yes. Yes. So that happens very, very often. Um, So we get pulled in as a third party a lot of times to uh, claim prior to lawsuit, sometimes all the way through to lawsuit. Um, The engineers uh, will run their own calcs a lot of times on the earthwork volumes and they won't account for subgrade or they won't put... The specific shrinkage factors in, and they just don't know dirt uh, like we do. So we'll come up with our number and they'll be like, yeah, that's, that's literally what happened on the job. You know, we were short a thousand yards or whatever the number is. And so we'll, we'll act as a third party specialist in the field to provide those numbers to help with the claim process or litigation or whatnot.
2: Nice. Um, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but when, if you can elaborate a little bit on how, what are you looking for, or how do you find someone that might be interested in doing what you're doing, and what are the opportunities there? How do they seek training or reach out to you? That kind of thing.
1: What What do you look for? Yeah, well, we've developed a full in-house training system. That's another thing. With all the software's out now, um, we use Trainual. so. Um, our, our systems in house, we have videos and very specific lists and we have a very cool training system. So we built it to where we can, we can get a guy in here with zero software experience, zero takeoff experience and have them up to speed in less than 30 days and have them productive. So we look in, uh, universities, we look for the field, field guys that have a little bit of plan reading knowledge that want to get out of the field um, the local universities, stuff like that. Uh, and I'm starting to go back all the way to the high schools. I'm trying to get in with the high school uh, crowd as they're coming out of, of high school and graduating.
2: Okay. Are you hiring now?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. We're pretty much always hiring. Um, my business goal right now is to add three to four techs every year. Um, and then every other year we have to add two admin staff on, on top of that. So, um, we're hiring four to six people a year pretty much exponentially as far as I can see at the moment. In your, in your mind, Ryan, are these, this is just just a mindset
0: thing. It's almost, it's almost nothing else. Um, Are these in your mind tech
1: jobs or are they construction jobs? Um, I would say they're definitely more tech. And and, uh, so we, we do see a struggle for the guys in the field that are used to being outside coming in like, okay, you're at a desk eight hours a day now, like maybe with a window in front of you, but that's it. And, you know, and you have to stay productive at that desk. And it is a challenge. Um, It was a challenge for me moving into the office from the field. Uh, It was a big challenge. but um, So that's one of the hurdles we definitely definitely run across is uh, that transition. I believe it. Um, Let's see.
2: We had another question here. Oh, Lee said remote hire, and that is
1: correct, right? All remote jobs?
0: No, no, no. I think he's saying his whole staff is
1: in-house. My whole staff's in-house. Would um, oh, you consider remote hires? I have, I have considered it. Uh, we've had a couple guys that left here, moved out of state. We actually put remote for a while, and and uh, so we've been successful at it. But as far as like a whole new hire remote, we haven't really gone there yet. Kind of trying to figure that out right now, but uh, we have we haven't gone there yet.
2: Okay. Uh, Mark was asking, do you do uh, field verification?
1: yes so we use drone technology to field verify um data to uh and then we use gps machine control or gps rovers to go out and do control point verification but um we'll go out and and, uh, fly a drone over a site get a million points and watch much more data than the traditional method and uh and evaluate that against what the engineer provided which are usually just contours and uh and just in that alone you can see a 30% 30% discrepancy a lot of times just because of the volume of data.
0: Is, is there applications, are there applications for this same technology in other trades? Like I'm, I'm thinking about landscape for instance, or something along those lines. Do you, do you see application across other trades? Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Anything, anything site related, uh, really. Anything site outdoor. Well, now you can do it. You can do the same scanning indoor as well, but, uh, pretty much anything. There's, there's no point of part of construction. You cannot utilize this, this in.
0: Man, you got my wheels turning there. I'm, yeah. I've not, I'm, I'm thinking about all kinds of people that, um, have ne- probably never considered this type. so so uh, all right I'll, I'll rant for one second. So in the, in the landscape industry they, there's a lot of the there, there are a lot of, of tools that are web-based tools that link up with Google Maps and you just draw your lines and you can identify this is a you know mulch bed and this is a uh, you know, retaining wall and, and, you know, over here's a set of pavers and I circle that stuff. And, and then, you know, that Google map combination allows me to, to do things virtually, but it's all 2d. Right. Right. Yep. Um, and yeah. I don't know, you know, and, 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 I'm seeing Eric Blevins who's a buddy of mine, uh, on the chat and, and, uh, is a landscaper. Um, I don't know is if he would be thinking, uh we don't need 3d man yeah you know, right. or, or, or or i could i really i don't know i think i feel like there's probably some use in that depth but it would probably be really you'd have to really justify it for a i'm, I'm thinking probably more for you know super complex projects that actually had some light earthwork or yeah or something like that involved. Yeah,
1: that's, that is kind of part of the slow adoption rate i think is uh is finding the projects that uh, can absorb the budget and have a, have a real need for it. Um, you can use it on it' It is kind of uh frustrating cause you can use it and it's valuable on any project, even the most, even the smallest project. But, but it's like, like you said, do we really need to go out and fly that front yard or, you know?
0: Yeah. There's a point of diminishing returns.
1: Definitely. Absolutely. We're like,
0: nah, yeah, we're, 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 we're good. Uh, yeah. all right. Sorry, Stacy, other questions we have?
2: I don't know if you answered this in the beginning, so forgive me, but um, what do you use to create a model when you don't have an engineer start? Um,
1: so we, we try not to, um, I'm not going to say that we don't, but we, we try and re- request, you know, the engineers documents. We're, we're not licensed engineers, so we can't legally create a design. We just basically all we are is uh, not interpreters, but we just, We're converters is what we are. We're converting the data from the engineer that's got been stamped and he went to school for it. And now we we may see problems with this design from a building aspect because we've done the work. Um, And we can say, hey, we can do this better here or fix this problem here because you can't build it that way. We can do that. But... Um we, we basically uh we'll use their plans a lot of times, just PDF set of plans uh without the engineering files, and we can create a pretty accurate model based on those PDF plans by by geolocating them in the right area and, and then producing the model that way. Nice. Yeah.
2: I think that's what we got, unless you have anything else that oh, we missed.
1: We didn't
0: go too far over time. That always makes me happy. Uh, I know you're a really busy guy, Ryan, hanging out with us on Pacific time. I, I, I talked to Ryan yesterday. was like, hey, man, I'm really sorry. I know how early it's going to be. Ryan's like, it's, it's my kind of guy. He was like, that's great. My phone won't even be ringing yet. This is fantastic. So um, thank you so much for spending a part of your morning with us, uh, telling us your story. I think um, you know the audience uh, got a ton out of this. I know I did, too. Uh, And I hope that uh, you'd come back and join us again as you, uh, you know, continue to take over the world, buddy.
1: Yeah. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. And I'd love to come back. Thanks. We'd love to have you. See you around. Have a good day. (laughs) Bye. All right, Stacy, let's talk a little bit about uh, what we have coming up.
0: Um, So first thing uh, next week, we've got, uh, I can't wait for this conversation with Aaron Pacific. This is kind of a funny story, but I, a, a friend of mine, a guy that I, that I have a lot of respect for, shot me over a message one day and he said man I, this this guy's linked to, or, uh, a Twitter post uh, it, it really caught my eye and um, you know uh, it w- it was really just about how th- there's going to be an unbelievable amount of uh, merger acquisition activity over the next 10 years across all market segments but particularly around the sort of small to mid-sized businesses and if there's an industry that's loaded with small to mid-sized businesses well, it's construction. And, uh, and so Eric is going to be coming on to talk about when and how to sell your contracting business. It's going to be a great uh, conversation, I think applicable obviously for owners, but also I think for, for all those people inside the company that are maybe wrapping their head around the possibility, Hey, your company may sell in the next few years. And this is maybe how that's going to look and what to expect, which will be an interesting discussion. Um, so we have that. And then obviously as always, uh, we want you to, you know, um, join our email list. It helps us to, uh, you know, keep our stuff in front of you on a weekly basis. Uh, no uh, other spam, no, uh, you know, junk. It's all just designed to get you invites to the next session, uh, links to watching the past session if you've, if you've missed it. And then just, um, you know, details uh, from our speaker uh, that they may have shared. Uh, links to websites, you, you know, things along those lines. So please send an email to Stacy H at steeltoecom.com. And uh, incredibly, Stacy, we're we're heading into the the final turn. Of, I know, um, when you're right? left. I think we 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 go through the end of April though, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. And then
0: we have a couple months off. We'll reload and and we'll come back with season five, which gives us a little bit of a space to just sort of plug and ask, hey, please, if you or somebody that you know is, uh, you know, somebody like Ryan, uh, who who has an awesome story about what they've done in the construction industry and how they're helping to move it forward. Uh, please let us know as we're building out our guest list for season five. At this point, lots of people or lots of space to do that. We're, we do 12 uh, episodes every season and we've got, um, you know, I think maybe eight slots open or nine slots open. We, we, we don't we don't have much uh, already booked. So please reach out.
2: Sounds good. have a great day everybody you too (laughs) i'll see you soon yep see ya bye